And we are in Psalm chapter 37, starting verse number 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Great couple of verses there. That would be great verses to memorize, and that's what we're going to be talking about this week. But have you guys ever, um, you guys, have, uh, you, guys, you guys feel weird the week after Christmas? It's the week at the end of the year, and it's the week in between the start of the new year. It's like that week that's just in between, squeezed in between all the fun stuff, and this is the week that's kind of boring, right? This is the week, that the five, seven days where it's just in between everything. It's the week where we all wish that we could keep our Christmas trees up a little bit longer, but we know we shouldn't. It's the week where we feel overweight from all the food we've been eating, but we don't actually want to start a New Year's resolution either. It's one of those weird weeks where you're just kind of in between. You're in between the end of the year and the beginning of the next. This is kind of like the waiting period, right? This is the waiting period week. I can see you guys are all, you guys all need some rest before, before Wednesday and the New Year hits. You guys need to get some rest. You guys need to go get some Red Bulls. You guys need to get some coffee or something because this is the week where it's just, it's in between everything. This is a week you're just waiting for the next week to start because that's the new year. You ever feel like that sometimes in life? Like you ever had a stage in your life, a season of your life where the past season stage had ended and now you're just waiting for the next one to start, but it isn't yet. You ever been waiting before? You ever had a waiting season of your life? We've We've all had this. We've all felt this. We've all felt like we've had a waiting season in our life. Sometimes in, it, in life, it feels like we're in between where we came from and where we'd like to go. Like where we came from was great, where we'd like to go is great, but somehow, some reason, we're stuck in the middle. The question is, what do we do in those times? If you ever had to wait for something, wait for a job to pan out, wait for a promotion to pan out, wait for a transition to work out, wait for something with your family to, to change, wait for the relationship to heal, wait for your finances to get where you want them to be, and it just seems like you're waiting in your life. What do we do in those times when it feels like we're waiting? What do we do in the seasons where we're in between? What do we do in the in-between season of our life? And that's what we're talking about this morning. And the book of Psalms shows us, because this psalm was actually written by David. This is, this is actually a song. These, these, all the book of Psalms, the entire book of Psalms is a bunch of songs that were written primarily by David. And if anybody had to wait a long time, if anybody knew anything about waiting, it was this character named David. You see, at the very beginning of his life, essentially when he was a teenager, he was promised and he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. And where he's at in the book of Psalms here, the, the verses we just read, almost 20 years has passed. Decades have passed. And he is still not the king of Israel. So he was anointed to be king when he was a teenager. Now he's well into his late 20s, early 30s. And he's still not king. If anything, right now at this point in his life in the book of Psalms, he is farther from being king than he was when he was anointed to be king when he was a teenager. He's a long way from being king. And on top of all that, he's been in this decades-long waiting period in his life. And on top of all that, while he's been waiting to become king for all these years, he's actually running from his life. The current king wants him dead because he knows, the current king knows King Saul. He knows that David is going to be the next king, so he's trying to get rid of him. And so David is essentially running for his life. He's been running for his life for years. He's trying to, he's trying to shake the king, the current king. He's trying to make sure he doesn't, get, uh, he doesn't get caught by him. So David's in-between period consisted of running for his life, 
living in caves, literally living in caves, hiding in deserts, all the while trying to keep his family and his friends safe from capture and eventual death. This is what his waiting period was, was like. So David, I think suffice to say, David knows a thing or two about waiting, and he's teaching us something in verses 7 through 9, and I think God is teaching us something from these verses, something about waiting. And so let's take a look at that, verse number 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Let's stop right there. Wait, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So David, the Bible starts with probably the hardest lesson first. And why is this the hardest lesson? Because the hardest thing to do when you're waiting for something is to rest. This is the hardest thing to do, right? Because we want to we make things that are uncertain, certain. We want to, when we don't know something, we want to figure it out. When we're waiting for something, we want to make something happen. When we're stopped, we want to move. When, when we're waiting for something, we want to, but we don't want to rest, right? When we're waiting for something to happen, we don't want to rest. When we're waiting for a job to pan out, we want to, we want to see what we can get done. When we're waiting for a transition to take place, we want it to just hurry up and take place. We want our life to move along and to progress, but to rest in the times of waiting. To rest when you're in that season of your life where you're in the in-between. To rest during those times. That's a hard thing to do. That's a difficult thing. And the reason this is hard is because resting is the last thing we want to do when we're waiting for life to hurry up. We want to figure out how, how to make things work. We want to create certainty when there's uncertainty. We want to find a solution. We want to do something. David is saying to rest in the times of waiting. When there's no clear way forward, rest. When you don't know what to do, rest. When you don't know where to go, when you don't know why life isn't moving, rest in the waiting period. Waiting is made for resting, if you're taking notes. Waiting is made for resting. Have you ever played basketball or watched basketball before? I go to the gym and sometimes I see the Lakers playing. And uh, the Lakers, the last time I saw the Lakers playing, because it was the last time I was in the gym, was Milwaukee Bucks. They were playing the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if that was a week or two ago. And uh, we, we, me and my wife were watching them as we're on the treadmill, watching Milwaukee Bucks just ruin the Lakers. And I, th- I don't know if they ended up winning or not, but when we were watching them, they got destroyed. And so we, we, watched them happen, we watched them getting destroyed. And when it got to a certain point where it was getting real bad for the Lakers, you know what happens? The coach calls a timeout. Calls a timeout. Why? Well, one, he wants to break the momentum of the other team, but he also wants to gather all of his guys around him. And they get in a huddle, and they gather around, and the coach starts talking to him. He has his little clipboard, and he starts, uh, he starts getting all the game plans together. He's starting to talk to all the, all the players, and he's, he wants them to rest. He wants them to get back, to regroup, to, to get in the huddle, and get with everybody, and get encouraged again, and get strengthened again. Take some time of rest. In that time of waiting, he calls that, that time out so that they can stop, so that they can cease from everything they're doing, they can regroup, they can rest, they can get some, they get, they can get some, uh, some water, they can hydrate. They, all of that is done just so they can rest. The time out, the whole reason it's called is so they can rest. And God sometimes, he's putting us through a waiting period to teach us to rest, to teach us to stop from everything we're doing and to rest. And maybe you're, maybe you're wondering this morning, okay, what does it mean to rest then? If God's putting me in this waiting period of my life, and I think we've all remembered times where we've been in a waiting period, or maybe you're in a waiting period, you're waiting for a job or a relationship or finances or something in your life to move forward. Maybe you're in a waiting period. Maybe you're thinking, okay, if I need to rest, how do I do that? What does it mean to rest? What does it look like to rest in my life in the waiting period? What does the Bible mean when it says to rest? That word rest, you know, in verse number seven, it says rest in the Lord. You know what that word means? It means two things. The first thing it means is to be still. And the second thing it means is to be silent. Be still is the first thing it means. Be still and be silent. Be still. 
Stop moving is what God is saying. Let God move on your behalf. Learn to allow God to move forward for you. You see, God wants us to rest while he works everything out in our life. He wants us to rest so that he can make things happen, so that we can follow his path, his direction. You can find rest in Jesus Christ. Let him move for you instead of us trying to do it ourselves. You can find rest when we learn to trust. We can find rest. And we often find it difficult to wait we often find it difficult to find rest in the times of waiting because we find it difficult to trust. And the reason we find it difficult to trust is to give up, to, is, is because it means when we give up trust, or when we have to trust, it means that we have to give up control. And this one thing as humans we hate to do is to give up control. You see, when I'm in a waiting period of my life and God says, I want you to rest during this waiting period, it means I have to trust. But it also means that in order to trust, I have to give up my control. Put it to you this way. Before you went to bed last night, some of you guys, or maybe some of you ladies, I know this is my habit before we go to bed. Before I go to bed, I always make sure our apartment is secure. So I go to the door. I make sure that's locked. I go to the sliding door, make sure that's locked. I go to all of our windows and make sure those are closed and sealed shut. I go to my cat and make sure she's on guard duty. She never is. I go to my weapons uh, right next to my pillow. And I make sure that they're ready to go. I make sure that if anything happens, they're dusted off and they're fresh and they're clean. I look at them. I rub them a little bit before we go to bed. I tell my gun good night and then I tell my wife good night and I feel good. But you know why I go through all of that charade? You know why maybe you guys go through that charade before you go to bed? You make sure everything, you make sure your ring doorbell, that, that camera is nice and working. You make sure your security is all working fine. You make sure everything's sealed up. You know why you do that? It's because before you, when, when you're sleeping, when you're resting, you're giving up control. You're giving up control of the security of your house to something or some things else. And you want to make sure that those things are going to take care of you when you are not taking care of you. When you're asleep, when you're knocked out, you want to make sure there's something there that has control while you don't have control. And God is saying, I want to be that for you. I want you to rest so that I can take control and so that I can make sure everything in your life is going well. Find rest in the times of waiting because you can trust in the one who's taking care of you. He can secure your life. He can secure that transition. He's the one who can secure your finances, your job, that whatever that is, he can secure that a lot better than we can. Rest in his plan. It's always hard to give up control, but if we're going to find rest in the seasons of waiting, we must give God control. Be still in those times. Stop moving. Allow God to move on your behalf. That is when you find true rest in life. And you see this in Psalm chapter 46. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. If he is exalted among all people, including those who we are afraid of, he can take care of us. I will be exalted in the earth. Rest in the Lord. That word means be still, but it also means be silent. Be silent. Stop talking. Let God speak truth and strength into your life. Just allow him to speak to you. Allow him to speak truth. Allow him to speak strength. Allow him to speak a comfort into your life. We find rest when God is speaking to us. Why do we find rest when he's speaking? Because he's speaking encouragement. If we would stop, take time to listen, to stop talking, 
you'll find out that God is constantly speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you every time you open up his word. He's constantly trying to speak to us, and he's speaking comfort. He's speaking encouragement. He's speaking counsel. He's speaking wisdom to you. He's speaking to you constantly. Are we listening? His voice is the voice of rest. You ever get in your car and you're just having one of those days where you need to listen to something that's peppy? You need to listen to something that's going to that's gonna help you out, that's going to encourage you, it's going to get you revved up for the day? There's that one song that we all have. And hopefully it's not too cheesy of a song. Maybe it's just, I don't know what song it is for you. You're, you listen to that specific song and it gets you ready for the day. You know what God wants to be that song for you? He wants to be the person that says, I'm speaking encouragement to you. I want to speak into your life. Just listen to me. Just as you listen to that song, listen to me. Listen for my voice. He wants to be the song in your heart. He wants to be the voice that gives you comfort when you don't know why life isn't moving the way you want it to. Listen to his voice. You know, over the Christmas, uh, we, were, we were spending time with my, my family and um, my brother, who has a couple young daughters, uh, we were all in, in the family room together and we were at the dining room table and we were talking and I was talking with my brother and my sister-in-law and I think Amanda was there. We were all talking and uh, some of my brother's daughters, they were sitting down and they were, they were watching TV. They were watching Scooby-Doo, which is just, it's just a great cartoon, right? But me and my, me and my, my wife and my brother-in-law and my, my brother and my sister-in-law, we were all talking, and uh, I guess we were talking too loud because I noticed Scooby started getting really, really loud. Scooby's volume started going up, and Shaggy's his volume started going up, and I just start to hear they're, they're getting way too loud. And so what happens is we start talking louder. We were already talking loud, so we start talking even louder. And by the time you know it, a minute or two goes by, and we're practically yelling, and finally someone yells out, Turn the TV down. And she's like, oh, well, you guys are so loud. You know, I feel like God is trying to get our attention sometimes, but we're just talking so loud and so much. God is trying to speak to us. He's trying to get a hold of us. There's so much that he wants to give us. There's so much he wants to speak into our life, but we won't stop to listen to him. God is saying, listen to me. I think God sometimes feels that way about us. He's trying to get through to us and speak to us and encourage us in the seasons of waiting. But we haven't stopped to listen to him. Look at this in verse uh, Luke chapter 11. But he said, Jesus said, Yea, rather, blessed, happy, happy are they that hear the word of God and keep it. You will be happier when you listen to the voice of God. You'll be blessed. You'll be happier in your life when you listen to his voice. If you're waiting for something to happen in your life, you can find rest in what he has to say to you. And there, there are so many voices trying to get your attention, but there is one voice that will always, always, always be able to give you rest, and that is the voice of Jesus. There is one voice we can turn to, we can listen to, that will give us peace when we are in the in-between moments in our life. How do we hear this voice? How do we listen for it? By spending time in his word. Some of the most fundamental practices, the fundamental practices of the Christian life are spending time in God's word. Spending time in prayer. Spending time worshiping him. These are the fundamental practices of the Christian life. And if you've ever wondered to yourself, maybe you heard someone say, I tried the whole Christian thing and it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for me. You know why it wasn't working oftentimes? Because we aren't trying to find his voice. We aren't trying to listen for his voice. We aren't trying to hear from him and try to get something from him. 
That's how we find rest. That's how we hear the voice of God, is when we have time in his word on a daily basis, is when we are spending time in prayer, when we are spending time with other believers worshiping him. We hear the voice of God through the word of God. We hear the voice of God through worship of God. This is how we find and experience rest in the waiting. Now, look at, this bit next, look at the, the, the end of this verse, because David gives us a caution as well. This is something that we can all relate to. This is something that this is, this is important, especially for the day and age we live. This is the caution he gives us. Look at verse number seven. Rest in the Lord. So he's told us to rest. Find rest while you are waiting. While you're in the in-between season of your life, find rest and wait patiently for him. Then watch this. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So after David says to rest in the Lord and embrace the periods of waiting, he follows that statement up with a bit of wisdom. He says, fret not. It means don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry in the waiting. This is what happens to all of us. Because we're in a season of your life, we're in a stage of our life where we're waiting for something to happen. Waiting for family to work out, waiting for the finances to work out, whatever it is. We're in a waiting period. We're tempted to worry. Tempted to fret. Oh, how's this going to work out? How's that going to work out if this happens? How's it going to work out if that happens? What are we going to do if this takes place? What are we going to do if that bill comes in? How is this all going to pan out? How's this all going to worry out? And the Bible's saying, don't worry. Fret not, literally is what the Bible's saying. Don't worry in the waiting. Why does he say this? Because the temptation when you're waiting is to start to worry. Isn't it true that when we're waiting for something to happen, we worry? While we're waiting for the test results, we, we worry. While we're waiting for the money to come in, we worry. While we're waiting for the relationship to heal, we worry. While we're waiting for our job to get situated, we, we worry. While we're waiting for the paperwork to go through, we worry. The temptation is to worry in the seasons we can't do anything. The scriptures are saying, don't worry in the waiting. God understands this impulse, and he's saying to us, fret not. Don't worry in the times of waiting. You know why you shouldn't worry in the times of waiting? Worry is like a brick. Worry is like a weight. Say I had, I have, I have weights in both my hands now. This is worry. Let's just say this is worry. Both of these things are worry. You know, every day, every day comes with its own burdens, right? But every day also comes with its own blessings. Every day comes with your family waking up beside you. Every day comes with you have a job to go to. Every day comes with a certain amount of blessings and things that God has given you. You know what worry does? It takes the burdens that may or may not be placed upon you tomorrow or the day after that or sometime in the future. And it makes you carry those things right now where you are. Why is that bad? Because when I am carrying worry in my life, the worries of things that may or may not come to pass tomorrow, I cannot carry and hold in my heart the blessings that God's given me today. I don't have enough space for it. I don't have the space in my heart. I don't have the space in my life. I don't have the space in my mind. So when we worry, that worry is taking the place of something God has given you that he wants you to think about. 
You can't think about all the blessings you have today when we are worried about all the things that may or may not come to pass tomorrow. When we're holding this worry, this brick of worry in our heart, it is clogging up our life from all the things that God has already given us, all the blessings he's already given us, all the things that he's already allowed us to have and to experience and to take place and to be a part of. All of those things are dropped to the ground when we pick up the brick of worry in our life prematurely uh, when things may or may may not come to pass. That is why worry is so destructive. It keeps us from happiness. It keeps us from enjoying the things that God has given us. It keeps us from showing gratitude. It keeps us from being thankful for the people and the things that God has already put in our life. Worry is taking what might be tomorrow's burdens and bearing them today, bearing them right now. When you are holding worry, you cannot hold the blessings God has already given you. When we're waiting, God wants to hold on to our worries. You see, this is how it's supposed to go. There is worries that we all have. There's worries we have for tomorrow and the next day, things that may or may not come to pass, but they're worries nonetheless. What God wants to do and what he's saying to us this morning is, give me your worries and I will give you my blessings. I want you to hold on to the blessings I've already given you. I want you to think about those things. I want you to wake up with those things in your heart and on your mind, the things I've already given you. I'll take your worries. I'll deal with those things. I'll be the burden bearer of your worries, and I want to give you blessings in response. You cannot worry and worship at the same time. You're either doing one or the other. If you need a fun way to remember it, remember it this way. Don't be weighted with worry in the waiting. You can write that down if you want. You probably won't remember it. Don't be weighted with worry in the waiting. You see this in Matthew chapter 6. Take therefore no thought for the, mor- for the morrow. Don't worry about those things tomorrow and the next day and the next day. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil, of, evil thereof. He's saying all those things, good or bad, are going to happen uh, one way. But you know what? You shouldn't worry about that today because God's already in your tomorrow. God's already there. He knows what's going to happen. He knows the bad things that's going to happen. He knows the test results. He knows the things that are going to come your way. You you don't worry about that. Allow God to worry about that. Psalm chapter 37, look at this verse again. He gives us the reason why we worry. Maybe you're thinking, why do I worry? This is the reason why we worry. Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So we start to fret when we look around at others that have what we don't, Right? Often what causes worry or or emotional distress more generally is looking around at others who have things that we don't have, that we think we deserve, and that they don't. You see, that causes worry. That causes jealousy. It reminds me of um, sometimes on airplanes. You've been on an airplane before. And this is the most frustrating thing that happens is when you're all excited to leave. You're all excited to go wherever you're going to go. And you just want to get on your plane. You just want to go, right? You just want to get to where you're going. And so you, you, you get in your plane. The, the plane pulls back. The little scooter thing pulls the plane back. And you're, 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 you're moving a couple miles an hour on, on the runway. And you keep moving on the runway. This has happened to me. This is the most frustrating thing. You keep moving on the runway. And you keep moving on the runway. Not fast. You're just moving, right? And then you stop. And you start to notice that you spend a lot of time on the tarmac. And you start to look around. You're starting to wonder yourself, talk, start to talk to your spouse. What's going on? What's wrong with this captain? Why aren't we moving? How much do we pay for this? Should we get a refund? You start getting irritated. And so you, you start looking outside and you see all these other airplanes taking off. But your airplane isn't moving. 
And you hear the captain come over the intercom and he says to you, sir, we're, it's going to be a couple minutes. We're waiting for clearance. We're just trying to get checked from the, from the tower and it'll be a couple more minutes, but we'll be taken off. And I start to get frustrated. I'm telling you, this is the most frustrating thing, waiting for all, these ta- for all these other airplanes to get off. And I start to look at them and say, how come they get to go and we don't? I start to get mad. You know what happens in life? We start to look at everybody else that we think is taken off. We start to look at everybody else that we think, man, why are they getting that? Why does she have that? Why is this happening for them? They don't deserve it. I deserve it. And I'm still here. And it causes us to worry. It causes us to get angry. It causes us to get frustrated about things in our life. When we're waiting, we see others get ahead in life and it causes jealousy, anger, worry. We begin to fret over where we are compared to where somebody else is. In those moments, God says, fret not. Don't worry. Rest in the Lord. He's got it all under control. You don't need to look at who's around you. You just need to look at who's above you. Because if you're looking at who's above you, you'll realize he's got it all under control. He's given you so much right where you are. To rest in the Lord means to separate yourself from the emotional ties of the thing you're waiting for and to tie yourself to him instead. Psalm 37 encourages us to fret not in the seasons of waiting. So maybe you're, you're wondering, why is God making me wait in the first place, right? God's making me wait for something or life is making me wait Why am I waiting in the first place? What is the purpose of waiting in my life? Look at this. Verse number eight. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. This is an amazing verse. Verse eight shows us one of the most important reasons God places us in a season of waiting. The psalmist uses the time of what David uses his time of waiting. He says here, not to change what's around him, but to change what's inside him. So he ceases from anger. You see that? He ceases from anger. Cease from anger. He takes control of his own emotions. See that? He takes, in the time of waiting, in the time that he's supposed to be resting, he uses this time to take control of his own emotions because when he looks at other people and he's getting angry, he gets angry perhaps even at God for making him wait, he ceases from the anger. He takes control of his emotions and then he forsakes wrath and from working evil. What is the next thing he do? He doesn't allow his unhealthy emotions to create unhealthy actions. You see that? He doesn't allow, after he ceases from anger, he also forsakes wrath. That's working out your anger. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. He ceases from using, uh, allowing his unhealthy emotions to create unhealthy actions. He used the time of waiting to look inside himself, to change himself. While he's waiting, he's working on himself. Why does God place us in a season of waiting? Because the waiting time is training time. The waiting time is there for God to build us up. The waiting time is for us to train. The waiting time is for us to prepare ourselves for the next step that God has for us. He's using that time of waiting. And we ought to use the time of waiting to train ourselves. God is training you to become the person that's necessary for the next step he has for you. This means that God has what God has waiting for you is the best. The best is yet to come when you're waiting. He's not here to hold you, uh, hold you back, but to build you up. The whole purpose of the waiting is to train you, to build you up, to help you become the person that God wants you to become, to help you become the person that you want to become. And I think of this as a, uh, as a friend of mine who just graduated from boot camp, from, from the army. He's talking to me about boot camp. He's talking to me about all the stuff they go through and how he, had to, he signed up for it. And it's just he went through 12 weeks of the worst kind of training. 
And I thought to myself, when they enlist to go into the army, why don't they just, when they sign up, why don't they just stick them right onto the battlefield? You know, right? Why, why, why do they have to go through all of this rigmarole? Why don't they just, hey, here's a ship. We're going to send you to Afghanistan. I know you just signed up. You're 18. But here you go. Why do they, why do they have to go through all this boot camp stuff, right? Well, it's because in that time that they're waiting, in the time that they're not on the battlefield, in the time that they're not assigned somewhere, they're taking that time of waiting to train. They're working them hard. They're, 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 they're making them get up at four in the morning or whenever it is. They're making them go through all this, all the training. They're making them learn the weapons and learn all the tactics and learn how to train their mind and getting a strong mind. They're making them uh, physically fit. They're going through all this waiting period so that they can train. You know, a lot of times we think God has abandoned us when we're waiting. Something happens in our life. We say, man, why is this happening? Why won't life just move on? We think, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why have you abandoned me? I'm trying to do what you do. And all these people around me that are moving on in their life, God, why are you doing this to me? God's saying, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. I'm helping to train you. I want you to become the person that you need to become for the next step in your life. I am building you up in this time of your life. Don't, don't, don't resist it. Go with it. Find rest in it. Train in it. Often when we think nothing is happening and nothing is moving forward, in the seasons when we are in the in-between, God is actually preparing us and equipping us and training us for the next step in our life. You see this in Psalm chapter 27. It says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall, what, strengthen thine heart. He'll build you up. He'll help you become the person he needs you to become. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Just because you're waiting doesn't mean nothing is going on. In fact, the waiting time might be when the most is going on. The waiting time might be the most important parts of your life. Those are the seasons when God might be the busiest in your life because those are the seasons when he's working changes in your heart and in your emotions and in your behaviors. Use the waiting time to examine yourself and ask God to show you the parts of your life that you're holding back. In the seasons of waiting, ask this question. Ask these two questions. What unhealthy emotions... Am I allowing in my heart? What unhealthy emotions am I allowing to run wild in my heart? In the times of waiting, in the in the in-between seasons in my life, what emotions are running wild in my life? And the second question is: what behaviors or actions are the result of those unhealthy emotions? You see, God wants to give you encouragement. God wants to give you comfort. God wants to strengthen your heart. Often what we allow into our life are unhealthy things in the moments of waiting. Ask God to help you give up those behaviors. When you're in between where you've come from and where you'd like to be, remember to train where you are. Waiting is for training. Waiting is for training. I want you to see what God eventually accomplishes in the lives of those who wait. What's the end goal, right? Okay, waiting is for resting. I got that. I need to rest in the times of waiting. I do that through reading God's word, spending time with God, and spending time with the things he's given me. Waiting is for resting. Don't worry in the waiting. He says, fret not. Okay, I know that. I get that. Don't worry in the times of waiting because the reason God's putting me in this waiting time is so I can train. Waiting time is training time. I get that. What happens, though, at the end of this? Am I always going to be in a waiting season? Am I always going to be stuck in the in-between? Look at verse number 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. This is the verse of hope we've been waiting for. This is, this is what all leads up to. 
The psalmist tells us, David tells us, that those who wait for God's way win in the end. When we wait on God and we wait for his way into our life, we will win in the, in the end. Wait for his way. That's what the scripture is Wait for his way. You can trust that his way is best. You can trust that his timing is true. You can trust that what he has for you is good. You can trust in that. Wait for his cues in life. You will never go wrong waiting for his way. You see this in Psalm chapter 18. As for God, his way is perfect. For the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler. He is, he's a shield to all those who trust in him. His way is perfect. His way isn't just better than our way. His way is perfect. You see, I don't want to trust in my way when my way is fallible. I don't want to trust in my way when my way is filled with pits and potholes and, and mistakes and failures and fumbles. I want to trust in the way uh, that's perfect. I want to trust in God's way because his way is true. You guys ever watched any boring TV shows. I've told you guys a couple months ago that I like watching Bob Ross paintings. There's another boring TV show. I should just stop telling you guys this because I don't want you to stereotype me, but there's another boring TV show. And I only have to, I have to watch it in, in certain amounts because my wife gets bored. But it's called Grand Design. You guys ever watch this show? This is a great show. It's a great show. It's called Grand Designs. And, and this is the, he's the narrator, he's the host. And this guy, it's all about this guy, he goes to uh, couples or, or people that want to build their own house. I'm going to build like a custom house. And, uh, and so he goes to these people as, as they start the process, they're right at the beginning stages of, of building their house. He goes to them and he starts talking to them. He starts to figure out what kind of house they want, how they want to design, how much it's going to cost, and all the things that go with building a house. And he talks to them and he, this is, it's all set in, in uh, I think it's all set in Britain. And so he, they, have it all, they all have sophisticated English accents. And, and so they, 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 they talk and they see what they want to do and as the stories progress, some of the episodes where he sees people that are trying to build their own house, some of the episodes, not a lot of them, but some of them, the couples who build their own house, they literally want to be the ones building their own house. Like they want to be the, the, the foreman, the, the project manager. And he'll ask them, so he says, who's your architect? And they'll be like, well, we don't have an architect. Uh, you know, my husband's the architect. And he'll look at them with that English, English stare like, what are you, you're, you're stupid. What are you doing this for? You are not an architect. You are a garbage man. You're not, why are you being? And so sometimes there's people that say, you know what? We don't need a project manager. We don't need an architect. We'll be the architect. We'll be the project manager. We want to save some money, save some resources, save some equipment. We just want to get this done. And you know what invariably happens? Almost invariably I can't remember a time where it worked out. You know what always happens? At the end of the episode, this guy comes back to him and said, so uh, how did it work out project managing your house? And they always say, this was stupid. This was dumb. It took us longer. We spent more. It was miserable. Our marriage almost fell apart. It was just, it was the worst thing ever. We wish we had an architect. We wish we had a project manager that did it for us. That's what God's saying. He's saying, why are you trying to build yourself when I want to do it with you and for you? You don't need an architect. You don't need yourself to be the architect. He says, I'm the architect. You don't need to be the project manager. God's saying, I want to be the project manager for you. And when you allow me to project manage your life, when you allow me, God says, when you allow me to be the architect, that's when your life turns into the grand design that he wants it to be. That's why we should just rest in the seasons of waiting.